first of all, describe what the past month has been for you. That's oh, been absolutely terrible, as it is for everyone. I mean, you see us in press conference. You haven't seen me as much in the media, but you see our families and the raw emotion that's out there and the grief, um, the frustration. You know, we go through a range of emotions from anger to frustration to grief. For me, it's uh, a, uh, it comes at different times during the day. Two weeks ago, I knew exactly what to do. I go to the volunteer center at the Red Lion and open up the center and wait for the volunteers to come and work on things. And, and then I go out and put up flyers. I knew exactly what to do and that was going to bring Lacey home. Um, and now I don't know exactly what to do. And that's so frustrating. That's the hardest part. I mean, we have a, a core group of volunteers still working to get her picture out there nationally through corporations and organizations. and obviously media and other means. So we continue to work tirelessly, um, many people do, to bring her home. And we can do that. He's not there is a major new development. Welcome back to another episode of A Dark Tale. This is part two of the Lacey Peterson case. How you doing tonight, James? I'm doing swell, Joe. Thank you for asking. How do you feel about going over a little bit the last episode? Yeah, let's do a quick recap of the Lacey Peterson case. So we introduced Scott and Lacey Peterson in part one. If you haven't listened, go ahead, go on back and listen to that. We'll be here waiting for you. They were basically a, a, a happy couple. They met mm -hmm. in college in 1994, and in 97, they were married. By 2002, they had moved to Modesto, California, and right around Christmas time, Lacey Peterson was about eight and a half months pregnant with the couple's first son. They had decided to name Connor. And on December 24th of 2002, Scott went out for a little fishing trip, had some work to do to catch up on. And when he came home, he came home to an empty house. Lacey was nowhere to be found. So after doing some things around the house, getting in touch with Lacey's parents, they were expected at a dinner that night. Lacey's stepfather proceeds to call the police and report her missing. I think that's pretty much where we left off at the last episode. That's right. Yeah. So Scott we, was in the park. We were left. We were in the park, and there was a. We just started to hear some conflicting things about what Scott has been saying around town. Right. That's right. Because he talked to a neighbor, and he said he was fishing, or he was working. No, no. He 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 told everyone he was going fishing, but. He knocked on one neighbor's door asking for if she had seen Lacey and told that neighbor that he was golfing yeah, when that, he had told everyone he was fishing. That's right. Different activities. So that's our first red flag as the objective observers of this case. So what's he doing in the park now? So the park is where Lacey was frequently seen 
were known to walk their family dog, Mackenzie. At this point, he's out canvassing the neighborhood, banging on doors, looking for his wife, and Detective John Evers is the first responder for for the situation. And he meets up with Scott at the park. And he... Uh, he's coming out for some basic questioning about... Get basic some, questioning, get some, uh, because like we've said last time, you know, one spouse is always the suspect... The suspect positive. number one in was he even a person. suspect at this point, or was it just the fact that he called in his wife missing, or his parents did right? The her his parents, stepfather, yeah, yeah. So now he's just uh, going because he's also looking for her. So he's going to her, going well, to him. They always ask, have to eliminate the person closest to the subject, the victim. In this case, I'm saying, is it was it even at the like? elimination process yet or was he just getting some basic questions well that's why they start with the basic questioning is because they just want to get information whether it's true or not they determine at a later point but i'm sure they the way they questioned him was in a way so that he could present his innocence but some red flags did draw their attention okay see what i'm saying yeah which made him look a little bit more suspicious than someone that could simply be eliminated as a suspect. So what other red flags came up? So Scott had a lot of opportunities to be forthcoming. And we said this last time, he was very open in the beginning of the investigation. Mm -hmm. He answered questions to the best of his ability. But like I said, some red flags did grab the detective's attention with these little quote tests i'm using air quotes here that the detectives were throwing at him for example when interviewed by the police on the first night lacy was missing he declined to take a polygraph test and continued to do so going forward in the rest of the investigation now as far as a polygraph test goes i've said it before on other episodes on this show that i don't agree to it especially if you're innocent the first reason is that an innocent person can fail a polygraph test, mm-hmm. according to a report from the National Academy of Sciences. Yeah, we've discussed this this, this before. Yeah, I just want to I, I want to spit it out a little bit. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, but we yeah we was it Israel Keys or and the um... we mentioned it a couple times, mm-hmm. but a variety of mental and physical factors like anxiety about being tested just in general can affect the polygraph results making the technique susceptible to error. The other big reason is that the lie detector results are usually inadmissible in court. So if you fail the test, prosecutors are likely going to believe that you're guilty. And even if you pass, it's unlikely that a jury will even see the results. So it's a lose-lose situation for the person taking the polygraph test. What they're hoping for, usually, with a polygraph is to coerce further information. Which yeah, which is what Most we saw with Chris Watts specifically. We they we they got a lot out of him once they started applying pressure to him. He could have stuck to his guns and probably drawn the whole thing out, which he kind of has drawn it out in other ways. But um, it's a simple tool to point them in the direction of uh, uh, yeah of using their own story against them. Mm-hmm. So what else? So in addition to the polygraph, they asked him again about the. The time he was at the Berkeley Marina, mm-hmm. he couldn't really place himself at the time of day. He couldn't remember the time of day he was at the Berkeley Marina, nor could he remember what he was fishing for 
or the bait. Now, those last two things seem a little... Yeah, I'm going into this again with a fresh mind, and honestly, those things don't stick stick out to me as strange specifically. I People just like to go fishing sometimes. Right. Again, like because I'm going in with a bit of a blind eye, I hope I'm not going to be too much of a devil's advocate while, as I listen to this story, but I just, uh, it's just, it, that doesn't strike me as strange. Right. Well, another thing is police, when they met him at the park, they suggested going back to the couple's house. This was actually the first of the tests placed on Scott to gauge his reaction. Sure. As Lacey's husband, like we said, he's the first suspect they want to eliminate. Mm-hmm. Given the fact that most acts of violence are committed by people who know the victim, but there was no sign of violence or any kind of struggle in the immediate aftermath of Lacey's disappearance, to be clear. The only real sign of distress we have so far is the the dog with uh, a collar and leash just wa- wandering around by itself, right? Right. right. And that's pretty alarming, though. But he didn't really want to go back to the house, is my point. Yeah, no, So no. that came off as a, a red flag to detectives. Understood. So in the following days, police said Scott didn't ask any questions or seem really concerned about the progress of the continuing investigation. He seemed aloof about the whole thing, or... or Good word to use. A Rolling Stone article called him somewhat aloof at a vigil held for Lazy later on. I'll mention that later. I'm okay. skipping ahead. But police also noted strange behavior such as how, like I said, he couldn't remember when he went fishing or what he was fishing for. And uh, he prioritized certain things in the investigation. Uh, One detective told People Magazine in 2005 that his major concerns were not lazy. His major concerns were his car door hitting the other car door in the driveway, or the detective taking a picture of his boat in the shop, or getting a receipt for the pink slipper and sunglasses the track dog people used for Lacey's scent. So So he was more concerned about these minuscule things as opposed to the overall progress. Right. He was, so he seemed to be okay with answering questions and everything like that. But when it seemed like they they had to dig, when they actually had to say, yeah, take a photograph or something, he got a little strange about that. Things like that. Things like that. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. When they had to dig a little deeper and it just seemed off, he seemed, I know, but it's hard to convict a man on being off. Of course, and it's always hard. Especially when his wife goes missing. Yeah, you can't gauge somebody's behavior after a traumatic event like this because there's no guidebook on how a person should be or should act. You know what I mean? Okay, but they were... They were were just, you know... No, no, but nonetheless, um, was his... Were there... Were more alarm bells going off for them? Not immediately. Remember, we're still we're still around okay. the day of. So on December 26th, detectives gave Scott another so-called test when they came to his house and they wanted to um, search his home again. According to the Modesto B, police officers arrived with a warrant at 7:45 p.m. at the Peterson residence. There was yellow tape up, giving an an ominous vision of a crime scene and when Scott didn't initially allow them in to search authorities were forced to execute the said search warrant in order to go into the home they got a search warrant for the home uh just two days after she went missing 
Because she went missing the 24th, right? They got a search warrant because he wouldn't allow them in into the home two days after. Okay, yes. so he, he was kind of stonewalling a little bit. At that point, yeah. Now, they had searched on the day of they would have... the disappearance. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day, uh, I guess everything stopped. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is they would have had to probably ask him prior if they'd be if it'd be okay for them to search his home. And they probably, he probably told them no for them to go ahead and, and obtain a warrant for that, it. That's a very good point. That's possible. And what do you mean by the yellow tape? Did he put up yellow tape? No, I'm sure police officers, after they knew they had to execute the search warrant, they put up yellow tape. Oh, okay. So did they find anything in the home? Nothing out of sorts. I think um, I think the biggest piece of evidence was a hair of Lacey's found on a brush in the boat. Nothing really out of sorts in the home. All seemed fairly normal. Okay. That's, Nothing that yeah. was worth mentioning in in the paper anyway. All right. Um, I was looking at articles from the Modesto Bee in 2005. Also on December 26th, a volunteer center opened up at the Red Lion Hotel where friends and family established a $100,000 reward for any information leading to Lacey's safe return. Thank God. So well, you know what? It I'm, was all hands on deck. And I'm, Well, I'm thinking because, I mean, it was Christmas Eve. You know, they were due at their parents for Christmas. It was, yeah. So once, I mean, I'm sure... They this couldn't, yeah, yeah. They couldn't think about anything else at that point. They were like, "We can't celebrate right now. We got our freaking daughters missing." And yeah, it's a that's that's the worst part. You know, it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year for some other, and but on top of everything else, she's expecting, and the family is expecting. You know, the whole family it's is supposed involved to be a very nice. Yeah. It's a very People, happy time for everyone. Yeah. Both sides of the family, they're going to have new sets of grandparents, first-time parents. You know, it's its a great thing to bring a new baby home. And quite the opposite happened. Yeah, um, things still happen all year round. And it just hits us because it's such a happy time and a time for togetherness when things like this happen. Yeah. It hits especially hard. Yeah. What else happened? Um, so well, they didn't find anything at the house? No, no. So friends and family are putting up banners with uh, this reward up all over Modesto. At this point, it's becoming bigger and bigger news. Okay. I'm not quite sure if it's national at this point, but it very well may have been. Moving on with the investigation, the FBI becomes involved. Um, authorities continue an intensive search in and around the Modesto area, but still there's no signs of Lacey. Authorities start the search in the waters of uh, Berkeley Marina, where Scott was said to be fishing for the first time around the end of the month. Wow, so they're openly searching in the places that Scott has been. I think they felt they had enough red flags in their face from talking with Scott having to obtain a warrant to search his home a second time. I think they were looking in his direction, mm -hmm. certainly now. Okay. And that's the only lead they have. That's publicly known because they're searching where the man's... It's the, only lead they, it's the only lead they have at that point. Right. It's really... That's the truth. It's a underscore that. It's mm -hmm. really the only lead they have. Well, the husband went fishing here, so hundreds of police and volunteers search parks and rural areas... For any, any clue 
about where Lacey may have gone. Officials used dogs, horses, helicopters, and rafts, joining in a huge search effort for Lacey. They reveal that a neighbor, this is the, inf- not infamous, but this is the neighbor that had found the golden retriever and um, returned it to the yard with the leash still attached on, back on Christmas Eve. They release that information to the public now. So, you know, more and more information is coming out of this story each day mm-hmm. and public focus is beginning to shift in a certain direction. Interesting. The last day of the year, investigators also scour abandoned buildings. They question registered sex offenders, paroled convicts, but still no solid leads are generated. Okay. Then a vigil was held. Family and friends gather for a candlelight vigil that more than a thousand people turned out for. So it was a... Within the week. Yeah, it was a week after she was that's, gone. That's, so. a, that's a great that... um such a reaction happened within uh, such a short time and it was christmas time yeah now police are saying that she was the victim of foul play so they're saying it officially at that point yes they're announcing that foul play was more than likely involved but they're not ruling out other possibilities as well so she may have well they're still leaving the possibility that she could have up and left so at this vigil was a friend, Kathleen Connor, a very close friend of Lacey, who mm-hmm. said she was always a very active, a very positive and outgoing person and a very tough young lady. And that's why we're not giving up hope. That's nice to hear. And that's what I mean. That's great that, that there was such a, a reaction. Like, that's how it should be. That's always how it, it should be, regardless of who it is, is that the community need, needs to come together and we see in countless cases when something horrible happens, there's a hundredfold more good people who are trying to help out and, and just want something, want, yeah, want, we, want a good ending to the case. From the moment of her disappearance, the Roca family, Lacey's, Lacey's side of the family, uh, repeatedly spoke to the media in teary-eyed interviews. And can I can I add something real quick to our, to our little segment where we're saying what a great reaction it is because i always really like this quote specifically from mr rogers who said um uh whenever you know something horrible was happening at like the times during a a disaster his mother would always tell him look for the helpers you can always find people who are helping specifically from mr rogers you know it always just puts a smile in my heart so it's that's what i think about when i think about these cases it always feels good when you have a, a some sort of support system behind you. Mm-hmm. So Lacey's family specifically repeatedly spoke to the media in teary-eyed press conferences saying that they supported Scott. They were defending his innocence. However, the public's view of Scott Peterson was different altogether. Sure, the public opinion was starting to go a certain way. Yes, and we can attribute some of this to a lady you, you may have heard of. She's quite popular. Used to be a lawyer. Nancy Grace. Oh, man, Nancy. Nancy Grace was just getting her start on television after leaving her practice in law, and this was like... yeah. Big oh man! This really she, shot her to the top. Of she the probably crime. cut him up. Oh yeah, she destroyed. Oh him. boy, I bet she destroyed him. I, mean, I could just she tell. saw it a mile away. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, I again, I still don't know how it went down, but like, I think without even knowing the facts, she kind of she just rode that public opinion. I bet. I'm sure, and she she definitely had a hand in shifting the public opinion in in what they thought about Scott. Mm-hmm. But still, both sides of the family publicly defended their son and um, didn't see it any other way. At the public vigil for Lacey and Connor, Scott was in attendance, but he declined any questions from the media, which, again, raised I, more red, red, red flags. That's, see, that's, that, that is continuing to be well, strange. public scrutiny, that's why. I, I know, and that sucks because as I hear the stories, you break it down beat by beat. It's juicier that way in the media. I, I, it is. It absolutely that's is because so far, I got to say, there's very little point towards him so far except for no well stonewalling the uh, investigation sure I, I get that he didn't really stonewall sure just like a little pushback not 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 as open as they maybe wanted him to be maybe he thought they were already they already yeah. had their mindset maybe I, but I just hate when public opinion gets too involved because it, it's just shifted so easily because of TV man because TV it, it for some people, it's their only outlet to the world. You know what I mean? People don't. Once people minds minds are set, that's uh, that's it. That's all. They're just gonna look. Everything will only contribute to their wor- worldview at that point. Right, and the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. that happens when the truth is revealed is astounding because people will die on the hill that they've made themselves. Yeah, on. they're too emotionally invested at that point. Way too invested. So it's. Um, yeah. Okay, so Scott's at this vigil. Oh, yeah. He's not taking questions, but there was plenty of photographers there. And they caught a couple of photographs that, again, lended to public opinion that Scott wasn't totally honest about this whole thing. Oh. In one picture, Scott is bending down alongside his niece to set a candle with a big smile across his face. So, so this was this was not helping his public opinion because he Nan- was he got people like Nancy Grace going. Look at him smiling at his at a vigil. Well, there was another. There's the second picture. He's standing with a group of people and laughing. Right. The optics are just not good. Right. I understand. I again, this is not damning evidence for me. Like I'm not saying fuck this man yet because I, right. that that sounds fine. No, we we've, we've heard your opinion when it's time for fuck that guy yeah <laughs> and you're right the evidence here it just doesn't mm-hmm. warrant it yet okay so but he's... in the public eye at a vigil for his missing wife and unborn child he kind of looked bad that's just an optics thing some explain scott's demeanor as simple aloofness you mentioned that earlier there you go there is after all no guidebook on how to behave when your eight month pregnant wife goes missing but Again, mm-hmm. public opinion is quickly swayed. Quickly swayed, but it sometimes it starts from somewhere, you know. Maybe and just maybe he he was acting a bit too aloof. Yeah, maybe. You know, like it's people uh, were saying he wasn't solemn enough. He wasn't acting panicked enough. He was good looking and charming, and it. Oh and, no. Well, some people see that as like traits of a psychopath he's charming but he's good looking and he's not showing much emotion so there's something off about him sure turns out there was something else oh no 
I've defended you so much, Scott. What happened? In coming weeks, authorities would ask the public's help in verifying the whereabouts of Scott Peterson in the days leading up to Christmas. What would they find? In Berkeley, police continue to comb the waters of the marina, not finding much. The authorities, as well as the friends and family search teams, expand their search for any type of clues into Southern California. Lacey's family and friends hold multiple news conferences demanding Scott now tell authorities everything he knows about the case, hinting that he may be hiding some information. And the, okay, and um, this is Lacey's friend, uh, family. Yes, and they were pretty initially defended. They, him. they were defending him. Okay, yes. so it's even. So we're we're moving ahead some weeks after Christmas now, where they're starting the to get wary themselves. Yeah, yeah. So suspicion of Scott is growing, and as it does, investigators look into his whereabouts in connection with the disappearance of a San Luis Obispo woman in 1996. Really. This is when Scott and Lacey lived in that area. They they lived there at that, that time. time. Yeah. However, the authorities determined that he didn't really have anything to do with it. What black? <laughs> what the? <laughs> but it just again that added to the public opinion of this guy is shooting. right. They're just at this point, like in the middle of it. They were right in the middle it of just... it. Oh, there's another investigation. I'm saying in the middle of uh, this uh, this this news cycle that it just it's just more fodder, you know. It's like you know that's it's just headlines to send up. So now Scott is still in, involved with the investigation. He's going on news outlets telling his side of the story. You know, I I called hospitals and she was nowhere to be found, and then it was just hit the street. You know, telling everyone what he's been doing as far as investigating his wife's disappearance. In January of 2003, Scott goes to L.A. with a search party where he and his friends and family hand out flyers to volunteers at a hotel there. They're, they're cool with him, like, searching with him? Yeah, yeah, because he hasn't been doing anything else other than that, supposedly. In Later in the month, Lacey's family says Scott told the authorities that he had been involved with another woman. Ah! Scott, what'd you do? Scott, here you go. I defended you. So, is that why he was being weird? Was just because he was fucking around? Or is this is this another fucking Chris Watts? Or is this the original Chris Watts situation? Is oh. It, is that is that what this is leading to? Is that lingering question? Oh, uh, another friend, woman. Lingering question. Another woman. <sighs> On January twenty fourth of two thousand and three, Amber Fry, a massage therapist from Fresno, California, comes forward publicly and confirms in a pre press conference that she had a romantic relationship with Scott Peterson. Son of a bitch. Um, I was I was answering your question because the suspicion that was been turned to me and it turned to me because of the inappropriate romantic um, uh, that I had with Amber Fry. Amber Fry went public about the romance after seeing all the stories about Lacey Peterson's okay, disappearance. All, I met Scott Peterson November 20th, 2002. 
I was introduced to him. I was told he was unmarried. Amber Fry came forward. I'm glad she did. You are? Definitely. Why? It's the appropriate thing to do. It really shows what a person of character she is. Um, and it allows us to um, get back looking for Lacey. Did you tell her that you were not married? I did. I did. Um, and then when uh, Lacey disappeared, um, I called her and admittedly it wasn't immediately. It was a couple of days after Lacey's disappearance. But I telephoned her and, and told her the truth. The and truth? That I was married, that Lacey had disappeared. She didn't know about it at that point. And then she contacted the police. But Fry says she first found out about Lacey from the news, not from Scott. Whoa. Yeah. So it just goes to show you that yeah, the uh, there, the so, the public speculation about Scott Peterson did hold some nugget of truth in there. There was some nugget of truth. He wasn't being completely honest. They picked up on it, and someone picked up on it. Were they having an affair? They were having. This has been a long time at this point that they've been having an affair, without getting too far ahead. Well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but. Yes, they were they were involved pretty heavily at um, at that New Year's Eve vigil. We're going to see later on that Scott was on the phone with Amber at that vigil for his missing wife. This is sounding like Gone Girl. I think I opened that with that in part one. Ignore that. Ignore I said that. <laughs> no, that's that's perfect because. <laughs> That validates my claim. Okay. <laughs> that I ignored you saying that, and then I came to the conclusion myself. <laughs> well, that's good. He was innocent in that. <laughs> yeah, he um, was. That's I why I, said, I also said I, I think there's an actual story. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. That's a little bit more true sure. to the to the film. Sure. I'm not going to actually just go ahead and say that this is a one for one Gone Girl because obviously I don't think any woman is like that woman in Gone Girl. No, but the initial if you watch Gone Girl, the first 25 minutes of it is exactly this case. Yeah, wow. So guy comes home, he's got a pickup truck, he's coming home from I think it's the similar situation. He's coming from like his warehouse or I think his sister owns a bar in the movie. Yeah. And then he comes home to find his house seemingly ransacked. And yeah, a little his wife's different. Gone. A little different. But yeah, like, and, and he's being sketchy because he's been fucking around and he's just, he didn't want to own up to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I think he actually meets up with his girl on the side on like his sister's couch like yeah oh yeah and she's she reams him out like do you have any idea like in the middle of the investigation for his wife and she's saying like you know what are you out of your mind in the middle of all this how yeah are you this? fucking crazy yeah. like it's the it, it's like it's such a dumb move it's an Absolutely. optics thing it's an optics that's what i'm saying yeah. like are you do you not realize what a shit show is around you right yeah. now like and, like maybe that's where the aloofness comes from is because like in some, you know, fucked up way that you wouldn't want to confront, you're a little bit relieved. Like if, if, if he's innocent, let's say he's not Chris Watts, let's say something happened 
And it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of relief there because maybe the marriage wasn't going the way, blah, blah, blah. You're human. Sure. But like, you can't hide these things. You can't, you can't block investigations. No, you, anything, you're, you're making it work. came right out. Yeah. At, from uh, the beginning. That's it. Like, be like, ah, this is, this is everything. Like, at the very least. Because at the yeah. very, at the very least, understand that she's still fucking human. You gotta, you gotta do everything you can. You could still, I'm sure he still loves her. They say I'm sure he still loves her, but so is he uh, the the proto Chris Watts and and he's snapped and he's trying to make a new life for himself in some fucked up way, or is he just some guy who got caught fucking around in the worst spotlight imaginable? I guess we will discuss that and find out on the next episode of A Dark Tale, won't we? Part number three. Yes, tune in next time. Thank you for listening, everybody. Yes, we're going to get into all the details. So if you don't want to hear the details, be forewarned. Yeah. uh, Part three is going to be grim. But anyway, thank you for listening this time around. And wherever you are, we appreciate you. From Australia to Saskatchewan. Not Rhode Island, though. (laughs) <laughs> no, they joined. The, they joined in at some point. Yeah, we appreciate you all over the place. Uh, couldn't do it without you guys. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review. Leave a comment in the section down there. You know what to do. Believe it or not, it helps our little show here. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us. Where can they email us at, at Joe? <laughs> darktailpodcast at gmail.com but wait what if somebody wants to get a hold of us on twitter oh twitter you say <laughs> at a darktail pod is our handle and you can reach both of us on there you never know amazing absolutely amazing if you want to talk to me directly you can reach me again on the twitter feed at joe underscore the host that's where all complaints go. That's that's the complaints all the praise. Department. All the praise goes to the official podcast uh, channels. All complaints right. go to Joe. Yes, that's absolutely true, and that's pretty much it, you guys. Thank you very much once again, and tune in next time. Stay safe out there because evil could be.